0: Hello, it's the July DCM podcast. My name is Tom Lanay and today I'm joined by Sarah Varani, who is Marketing and Partnerships Manager at the historic Regent Street Cinema. Hi, Sarah, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm very well. I should let the listeners know that we're recording on Thursday morning, which is the day after England just won the semi-final of Euro 2021. So how are you feeling?
1: exhausted relieved just so thrilled that we went through to the finals it was incredible
0: yeah me too and I just I thought I'd better highlight that because we might start flagging at some point it's been (laughs) it's been an exhausting 24 hours hasn't it it has been an exhausting 24 hours I just need to lie down I was so tired last night and I couldn't sleep um, but it's all very exciting. I
1: feel like the entire nation has been on an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're not alone.
0: And what is Sunday going to be like? We won't get onto that. So, but before we get onto our chat, Sarah, I'm just going to let the listeners know what's happening in terms of cinema admissions at the moment. So, Fast and Furious Nine has been in cinemas for two weeks now and all, has already delivered over 1.3 million admissions on the DCM estate. It's in a great place to get close to the final total of the last Fast and Furious film, Hobbs and Shaw, which I think would be a great result. As I said, we're recording this on Thursday morning. And if you weren't watching England v. Denmark in the Euro 2020 yesterday, you may well have been watching Black Widow, which opened <laughs> yesterday. I wonder if Disney thought when they placed Black Widow opening on the 7th of July whether England would be in the semi final of the European Championships. But despite that, in just one day, it's delivered almost 140,000 admissions on, on our state, which even with England playing in the semi final of Euro 2020, and so I think that's a fantastic result. And over the next month, we've got some really big new releases in cinemas, including Jungle Cruise and The Suicide Squad on the same day, both out on the 30th of July. And then in August, we've got a really nice mix of films, things like Ryan Reynolds in Free Guy on the 13th of August. People Just Do Nothing Big in Japan, the big screen debut of Corrupt FM on the 18th of August. And then Candyman, the new film from Nia da Costa, uh, an updating of the classic 90s horror, which I'm still too scared to watch, which is out on the 27th of August. All these films are great for reaching that 1634 audience. And just you wait until you hear what's coming in September. We'll talk about that more of that next month. But there's a new Marvel, Prestige British comedy in The Duke, Dune and James Bond Returns. Okay, so on to this week's guest. So Regent Street Cinema is one of the most famous cinemas in London. It's got an incredible history. And on your website, it's called The Birthplace of British Cinema. Can you tell us a bit about its history and what makes it so special?
1: yeah i mean i've I've been there about a year actually, and going into such a prestigious venue, um there was so much I had to kind of wrap my head around but what i've i've I kind of gleaned over the last year is that the cinema as it currently stands, was originally a theater that was attached to the Polytechnic Institute, which is now the University of Westminster and that was built in eighteen forty eight but then you kind of move forward to eighteen ninety six and the Lumiere brothers had invented the cinematography machine. And it was demonstrated to the press and then a paying audience the following day in 1896. And therefore, it is the birthplace of British cinema, which is no mean feat at all. And we're incredibly proud of that history. And then in the years kind of following that 1920s, 30s, 40s, it was a working cinema and we played lots of kind of firsts um, of many different genres and it was kind of a, a you know, one of the heartbeats of the arts in London actually and it had a really kind of prestigious place. It had a very brief stint in the 70s as a theatre but then unfortunately it closed in 1980, which was just such a shame. But luckily with some national lottery funding, we were able to get it refurbished, and it reopened in 2015. But it's we've tried to stay kind of as close to lots of the original architecture as possible. And I think the architecture is what really makes it stand out, actually, from other kind of multiplexes. We have a beautiful Art Deco auditorium. We have balconies. There are lions, um, you know, all over the wall, golden lions. And there's even some original balcony kind of behind the stage as well so there's there's tons of history and yeah it's just something a little bit different
0: and it's recently had a further refurbishment hasn't it?
1: Yeah so in 2015 that's when we had the, the main refurbishment done so what it did quite nicely was blend the modern with the history so kind of when you come in you kind of walk off the kind of hustle and bustle streets of London we are literally just two minutes from Oxford Circus which you know it's such a lovely location but you come in and it's really open there's loads of space there's a bar importantly as well so it's quite a grown up cinema and then you walk into the auditorium and I think what immediately kind of hits you is the rake because when it was a theatre it was like the stalls and then the circle the circle seats so The rake of it is incredible. So even if you're sat in front of someone who's six foot five, you're still going to get an amazing view of the screen. And yeah, it's just, it's really kind of a bit of a wow factor when you walk in.
0: Yeah, you're right. So I mean, I've been there and it's a great place to see a film and it's a period detail. So can people come and sit? in a box that has been there for a hundred years?
1: Uh, they can sit on a balcony. Balcony. Yeah, absolutely. There's no boxes. It's it's not quite the Royal Albert Hall, but um, it definitely feels luxurious with the, the velvet seats and, and, and just the layout of it.
0: And your role as marketing and partnerships manager, how does that fit into it?
1: So I'm actually part of a whole new management team that's been in place since August last year. So my role is to really talk about the... The new direction of the cinema. So when it was reopened in 2015, we played kind of repertory films, so classics, lots of kind of really niche, independent festivals kind of came to us and we worked really well with them. And that's what we've been known for, you know, up until March 2020. But the new management team, which I'm part of, we've changed direction completely. And we want to be able to now screen commercial films and that really is a mix of studio films and independent films and world cinema and documentaries but because we are a single screen still we do have to curate and we have a brilliant head of programming who just knows the industry inside out knows what's coming up and knows that with our kind of you know limited single screen, we have to pick the right film. So she does a brilliant job of of choosing the, the best ones for our audience. And my role is to ensure that we tell our customers kind of what's out there and so they kind of keep coming back to us. But you know, part of my role is really to get new people into the cinema as well. I think because it was, you know, known for repertory films for such a long time, I need to be able to change that conversation and entice people in with our new programming.
0: And talking about the new programming, you mentioned that you're next to the university.
1: Yes, University of Westminster.
0: Has that dictated this decision to changing the programming?
1: It's really not dictated at all, but they are incredibly supportive because they still own the cinema. But for them, it was just really important to adapt, I think. And, you know, the, the pandemic has given us an opportunity to reset And just rethink how we're going to run the cinema. That's probably the only good thing that's come out of the pandemic. There are so many other things that have obviously been terrible. But it has, because we were closed for such a long time, it has given us a chance to just relook at everything with a fresh pair of eyes. And that's what the new management team have done.
0: So you mentioned that uh, obviously, like all cinemas, you were shut for a long time. Uh, What was your focus during the period that you were shut?
1: Oh that you know what it was there were so many things that i wanted to do but you you just had to prioritize and the main message for us was just we'll be back you know we're working hard behind the scenes to get our ducks in a row and just make sure that you know everything technically was stable um you know when you are when you have a physical building you have to maintain it you have to make sure that it's safe and secure you know the the cameras still work you know all of that still has to function and you know that was a kind of a big priority for us but the support that we received from our patrons and our guests you know coming back to us time and time again saying as soon as you open we'll come back you know that meant the world to us because we wanted more than anything to reopen as soon as possible but it was just a waiting game.
0: And what was the biggest challenge you faced over the last year?
1: Easily the pandemic and being shut for so long and one of the things that that we took on when we, um, when we started was that we changed all of our business services. So we changed our website, we changed our booking, booking system, we literally changed everything personnel, everything. So it was actually like being in a startup, considering we're the oldest cinema in the UK and we have all that heritage, it was like being in a startup, which made it really exciting and it meant that you could make decisions that were right, not just legacy that was absolutely the biggest challenge and just having to do everything at the same time.
0: And the cinema reopened on the 26th of June. Cinemas in the UK were allowed to reopen on the 17th of May, but you waited five, six weeks later. What was the thinking behind that reopening on that date?
1: That's a really good question. And the the reason behind that is because of the the programming actually in the film slate. So the types of films that we want to show have to be able to engage our core audience the kind of initial film slate that came out, you know, things like Peter Rabbit 2 kind of skewed more towards kind of teens and, and kids and families. That isn't necessarily our traditional audience. So we wanted to wait for something like Supernova, Another Round, that probably played a little bit more into our traditional audiences.
0: What what, what are your traditional audiences?
1: Yeah, so our traditional audiences are very London, London-centric, very much into independent films, art house films, not necessarily kind of massive kind of blockbusters, although if the right one came along, like Bond, we would absolutely show that. Everybody loves you know, a film like that. But it is, you know, we have to be able to blend films that are of high quality enough, not just necessarily kind of everything that is released. Because we are a single screen, there is a really fine balance, and we can't have everything. We just have to be able to pick and choose the right ones for us.
0: So, did you open with Supernova? Then is that we the...
1: did, yes. And how did that go? Supernova has played really well for us, alongside another round, which is another Studio Canal film. And what I'm really encouraged by is that actually, out of all the theatres in the UK, Regent Street Cinema ranked 40th with another round. So I'm really encouraged by that and really proud of our kind of little cinema to be able to kind of hold our own with a really great title, award winning title like Another Round.
0: And it's only been two weeks, so it might be too early to say. But are there any trends you've noticed since you've reopened that maybe perhaps were different from pre, um pre-Covid?
1: I think for us the the biggest differentiation is that our audiences are really enjoying the new titles that are coming up because they are of really high quality and obviously we know there's been a massive backlog of titles because of the pandemic and the fact that the the films that are being released now are of such high quality I think our audiences are really excited to be back and so the new releases are just um, doing so well for us.
0: I mean, it's funny because obviously we're in the middle of the summer and summer is traditionally a time which you associate with summer blockbusters, things like Fast and Furious 9 and Black Widow. But there are some very high quality films out at the moment, like Supernova and Another Round, which Another Round is an Oscar winning film. We're very lucky that we've got films of that calibre out at this time of year.
1: Absolutely. And there's just so much to look forward to as well. So we're going to be playing the Disney Searchlight film Summer of Soul, for example.
0: Which the documentary about the festival that took place just up the road from Woodstock. Uh, Questlove's directed it, hasn't he? It looks amazing, doesn't it?
1: It looks absolutely amazing. And I'm so excited about this film for so many reasons, because A, the music's going to be incredible, because there's unseen footage of Stevie Wonder and Nina Simone and B.B. King. And, you know, it's just going to look and sound incredible on the big screen. But also, it's really important for us at Regent Street Cinema that we tell these important stories, because this story of the harlem cultural festival has just been in storage for 40 years and for us to be able to support this film and show it on date i think it's just it's just really important for us to be able to support these types of stories
0: and that's in cinemas on the 16th of july isn't it
1: yeah absolutely
0: have you got any exciting plans can you tell us about any exciting plans that might be in the pipeline
1: oh we've always we're always planning something or other And that's the beauty of us being independent. We can, as a small management team, think of an idea and try and execute it quite quickly. But one of the things we want to really develop is becoming a destination venue. So being a cinema is our bread and butter, right? You know, that's what we live for. That's what we do on our day to day. But actually, another part of our business is being a venue for hire, for brands. Um, So lots of the DCM clients, for example, I'm sure, will be starting to think about how to create experiences. And one of the most exciting ways to engage audiences is to have them completely engaged with your content and your brand on the big screen. So that's something that we're going to be developing over the next 12 months. But even, you know, alongside working with brands, There are lots of corporate companies that are looking for something a little bit special and a destination to be able to do presentations and host conferences or, you know, have a music gig or something like that. So that's how we're going to be developing our venue so that we do become, hopefully, a landmark destination in central London.
0: In central London, obviously, it is one of the standout cinemas, one of the most beautiful cinemas in London. And nowadays, the trend is for cinemas to reinvigorate old rooms and you've got the one of the classic old rooms haven't you
1: we do we've got the original we've got the original one the original cinema but being part of the university of westminster there are so many different halls and you know nooks and kind of crannies where you can there's just so much history there and so, so much prestige so that we can always go to them and say, oh, we we just need this venue, we just need this room for a very special occasion. And they're more than happy to accommodate us. So there's there's lots of ways for us to, you know, expand as and when we need to.
0: How do you think COVID-19 and the pandemic has changed the cinema business? And what trends do you think we'll see in cinema moving forward?
1: That's such a big question, because I don't think anybody could have predicted the pandemic. But the way I see The way I see the cinematic experience in the future, it's really going to be a haven, I think. It's going to be one of the very few places, one of the last places where you can go and completely switch off and be totally engrossed in a story. And that's what we live for, right? When you're a marketer, when you're a brand, you want that attention. And I think there is such a a fight for people's attention and customers' attention, but actually going to the cinema you have that completely, completely encapsulated. And if we're able to create experiences, not just from brilliant products and films, but also as an exhibitor, then I think that will be able to stand the test of time.
0: And you're right, we have spent the last 18 months just watching stuff at home. And I think it's only made that experience of being engrossed in something genuinely engrossed and immersed in something even more, even, even more important.
1: Yeah, and when you watch something at home, you're always distracted, okay? There's always a WhatsApp message. There's always, in my case, a child asking me for Mm -hmm. something. So there's never really that chance to completely switch off. But also, you know, as we know from the Metrics Lab research that came out in June, there's a really high percentage of people, I'm just... Looking back at my notes to find the actual percentage, 62% of people agree that you cannot recreate the cinematic experience at home. I completely agree with that. It's it's impossible. You have to be able to go to a cinema to really appreciate the picture and the sound.
0: So let's talk a little bit about, more about you specifically. Your background is in the media industry. Is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: Uh, and over the last few years, you've become a close friend of DCM. Tell us a bit about your journey and how you came to be... Marketing and Partnerships Manager at Regent Street Cinema?
1: Um, I was at Campaign for 14 years oh, wow! and I loved it there. I cannot have a bad word said about it. It was It was a second home really and I really was able to learn the trade and learn the business there and what it allowed me to do at Campaign was really have an overarching view of advertising and media from creative agencies to media agencies to broadcasters to DCM to... You know, everybody in between. And I loved that experience. And what I really needed, kind of coming out of that situation, was a new challenge. And working on the commercial team, which had been absolutely brilliant for me, I really wanted another way to just expand my skill set. And the partnership side of my job that I'm doing currently taps into that sales side. But the marketing element of my job is brand new and I'm absolutely loving it because it's really testing me as to how to engage customers in a B2C sense. And and I've been so used to a B2B sense for such a long time. And the jump from sales to marketing is big, but it's not as scary as I kind of originally thought. So I'm really enjoying being on a slightly different side, similar, but slightly different.
0: So as a relative newcomer to the cinema exhibition industry, what are you most enjoying about it?
1: Oh, the people. Like the people are so creative. The products are so, I mean, you've got the best product to work with, right? All the stories, all the content, all the stars, all the directors. I mean, that is, it's just so interesting, you know, working in this sector. But you're right, it's, you know, whenever I kind of meet somebody new, I'm always having to kind of introduce myself as the outsider, coming in with a fresh pair of eyes. And, and that's one of the things that the team at Regent Street Cinema really liked about my application, because I'm not just ingrained into thinking in one certain way and one certain track. I have all this experience of working with media brands that I can kind of bring to the table.
0: So you've spoken about the amazing films that are on offer. Have you been to the cinema since cinemas reopened?
1: I have been to the cinema and I saw Peter Rabbit too. Okay.
0: <laughs> How was it? I've heard it's better than the first.
1: It's actually not that bad, and it's so easy to watch. And obviously, I took my children and and I bet it, they loved it. Didn't and they? they absolutely loved it. And the what was so lovely about it was the the pure joy and excitement on their little faces to do something normal. And I think it's really easy to, you know, just talk about kids being really resilient and they have been really resilient considering the circumstances, but to see that joy, you know, that it can't be replicated at home, like we've talked about already. They just really deserved that opportunity to see something on the big screen. And yeah, we were all delighted to go as a family to see Peter Rabbit too.
0: And it's amazing that Sony put that out on opening day as well, isn't it? You know, uh I will never be sniffy about Peter Rabbit again. You know, It's <laughs> yeah. just to have a film of that size. And let's be honest, it is a big film. You know, it, it, in, in an, any normal year, that would be one of the biggest films of the year. And to have that on, on the day cinemas reopen was amazing. And uh, you're right, I've heard so many people say it was just great to see Peter Rabbit on the big screen.
1: Absolutely. But, um, you know, if I had... You know, free reign and all the time in the world, which is obviously very difficult to do as a working parent. In the Heights, for me, is, like, my dream film to go and see. Like, it's the music, it's the dancing, it's Lin-Manuel Miranda. That, for me, is just... It kind of speaks to my soul. Like, it definitely... Kind of touched my heart, so I'm hopefully back to go and see it.
0: I saw that last week, and it genuinely did give me chills on many occasions. It's a, I thought it was a brilliant film, and I was just so happy to see a hundred people dancing in the street in New York again. Like just seeing that on the big screen was really just incredible. I love, that. yeah, I'm a huge fan. So, in terms of the next few months, there's still a, a lot of uncertainty in the cinema industry. How do you see the next few months going?
1: I think we're on the up, actually. I am ever the optimist. I think, you know, with with the summer, I think it will be a bit tricky. I think there's a lot of sport on TV, you know, the Euros, the Olympics coming up. But from September onwards, I can only see it going one way, and that is up. I think audiences are starved of brilliant new content, and I, I really do truly believe that they will come back in kind of bigger waves. And the real turning point, I predict, will be Bond, as I'm sure a lot of other people are predicting as well. That is a real cultural moment for for everybody, really, like the Euros in England playing in, in the football. Even if you never, ever go to the cinema normally, you would probably go and see Bond. And that's what I think we need as an industry. And that, I think, will then open the floodgates for more people to come to the cinema.
0: Yeah, and that's out on the 30th of September. But as we mentioned at the start, I mean, September has some amazing films in it. The Duke, Shang-Chi, the new Marvel film, Respect, the Aretha Franklin biopic, and then and Dune, the incredible sci-fi, and then culminates with No Time to Die on the 30th September. What films are you most looking forward to, Sarah?
1: Aside from Bond, I'm really excited about The Duke, what you've just said. Jim Broadbent, Helen Mirren, absolutely dream combination, dream cast. Whatever they touch always turns to gold. So I'm really excited about that one.
0: And we should probably just let people know who don't know the story of The Duke. This is an incredible true story about a guy called Kempton Bunton, who stole a Goya painting from the National Gallery in the 60s and he's played by Jim Broadbent and the reasons he stole it are surprising and this looks so good and like one of the best British comedies we could have I think for you know and again another film that will hopefully get people in cinemas who haven't been for a while
1: yeah I think it kind of plays really well for lots of different age groups You know, it could naturally skew to maybe an older audience, but I think the cast is so solid, the story is so interesting and just so different, that I think it will attract lots of different people. Um, So, yeah, really excited about that one. Super excited about any kind of musical. (laughs) So, West Side Story is going to be massive.
0: one of the best musicals there is.
1: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So, very excited about that. And I, I think Candyman as well. As much as... I'm terrified of horrors in general. I think I might be slightly scarred from the original one in the 90s. I think that's going to be massive.
0: Yeah, it looks good as well. And Nia DaCosta, who's the the filmmaker who's directed it, her next film is the Captain Marvel sequel. So I imagine Marvel and Disney have seen Candyman and gone, she's an incredible talent, let's give her a billion dollar film franchise um so hopefully that bodes really well for candy man and three great choices um i think that just about wraps it up thanks for joining me sarah it's been a real pleasure i'll probably go for a lie down shortly uh, and try and recover from last night thanks for joining me you're very welcome and i'll be back next month with a brand new podcast thanks for listening bye-bye